0: it's the pete calendar show with more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in north carolina pete calendar is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because he's a giver and now here's pete it's all true it's all true a single podcast you never know it could be the pebble in the pond That solves all the world's problems. You just don't ever know. Welcome to the program. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your day. I do appreciate it. I also appreciate patrons of the program uh, that help make it all possible. Folks like Shan, Joseph, Dan, Brian, John, Robbie and Janet, Sarah and Frank, Karen, Manuel, And Jeff and Nicole, thank you very much. They became patrons by going to the clicking on the link up there that takes them to the Patreon page. And then they, uh, they sign up, they get exclusive content like the live streams. We did one last night, a lot of fun. And, um, also the bumper stickers. ThePeteCalendarShow.com. That's where you can also subscribe. Uh, we got links to all of the podcasting platforms. So if you're not really sure how the podcasting thing works, just go to ThePeteCalendarShow.com, click on the link, and uh, you'll see all sorts of different apps that you can use. And you can pick whichever one, whatever one you want. The benefit of subscribing is that it comes immediately as soon as I post it up every day, uh, it comes immediately to your smartphone or your tablet, and you can listen anywhere. Right. So it's pretty cool. Um, John Hood writing at uh, the Carolina Journal says North Carolina governments should not be in the liquor business. Okay, two recent stories illustrate this. Well, one was written by his colleague, John Trump, and we're going to talk with John in a minute. The other uh, comes from. Uh, a new digital magazine publishing long-form journalism. I had not heard of this publication. It's called The Assembly, uh, covering North Carolina issues. The reporter uh, who did the story is Jeffrey Billman, and he tells this. He tells the story of Durham's Mystic Farm and Distillery. Okay, during a regular inspection, an alcohol law enforcement agent spotted seventeen bottles of whiskey in their kitchen. Mystic uh, distillery in their kitchen. So, oh my gosh, right? Like whiskey in a distillery? How could that possibly be? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a distillery. Um, according to the ALE, those whiskey bottles were illegal. Dun dun. Agents went back a week later and confiscated them. And then the distillery got nailed with a $1,000 fine. And if they refuse to pay the fine, then they could have their permits suspended for 10 days. Because, and so here's the deal. I had no idea this was the case. This is great reporting, apparently, by the Assembly. And uh, as retold here by John Hood at the Carolina Journal, uh, the 17 bottles did not contain whiskey produced by Mystic. Okay, so yes, they're a distillery, but it's not their brand. They were other brands. Mystic was using them for taste testing and to get some packaging ideas. State law allows distillers to sell only the liquor that they produce. And so ALE insisted that distillers must clearly separate its commercial and retail operations. And because Mystic wasn't selling the other brands, but the kitchen was on the retail side of the business... A.L.E. nailed them. They would not even concede that Mystic was legally using the bottles as part of its production process. Now, John Hood writes, to its credit, Mystic refused to pay the fine. It went to court and won an injunction, and eventually the ABC commission gave in. But it still didn't return the confiscated bottles of booze until the reporter from the assembly started asking questions about it. Now, John Hood says, look, I happen to be a teetotaler. He doesn't drink. He says, but I resent my government abusing its power in this way. And I agree with him, uh, although I'm not a teetotaler, but I agree with him. I don't like the government abusing its power in this way. Now, if your mattress is abusing you, then you know what to do. You got to get out of that abusive relationship. You've got to get a new mattress and you got to go to Mattress Man. Okay, They support the program, so support the businesses that support the show. Uh, they're local. They got four stores in Asheville and Arden and Hendersonville. Uh, they have local five star delivery service. They have a 120 day comfort guarantee, and they do ship nationwide. They've got sleep consultants at the stores that go through six weeks of. Intensive and extensive training. Okay, um, it's like boot camp. So they learn everything there is to learn about mattresses, about how they're made, and you know the pressure points of all the the way people uh, sleep, because people sleep differently, and uh, you know different kind of mattress is going to be better for you depending on your sleep position. Uh, they've got adjustable bases. You can actually get one for free with the purchase of select. Uh, mattresses, which is really easy to get as well, because of their uh, flexible financing options that they've got. Just tons of uh, tons of easy ways to get mattresses. Like you got your tax refund coming, for example, or how about the Biden bucks, the big stimulus checks? You're gonna use, you can use that towards your mattress as well. Um, look, also daylight saving time. You're probably finally just now getting to the point where it's like, oh, I'm not dragging so much. Like it takes like two weeks if like if not longer, to kind of recover from this stupidity. Maybe you started off with the best of intentions, okay? But now, like, we're just losing an hour of sleep, and people have more heart attacks and more strokes and more car accidents. It's just, it's trying to kill us. So get a good mattress so you get a good night's sleep. Go to Mattress Man. Great people over there. Tell them I sent you. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. What is a bailment charge, and is it the same thing as a bailment surcharge? We get these answers from the managing editor of the Carolina Journal, John Trump. Welcome to the show, John. How are you? Hey, I am good, thanks. I had never heard of this term bailment before, uh, but uh, before people's eyes glaze over and they, they stop listening, um, this has to do with alcohol. So now everybody's interested again. Okay, so mm. the uh, f- tell us first, uh, what is bailment? Uh, because it's going to come up here pretty quickly in your article that I'm about to cite.
1: Yeah, Bellman is basically just to, uh, money used to operate the warehouse. Um, it is really what that is. It's it's part of what's tacked on to a bottle of liquor. And there there are several different things that are tacked on to that. Um, you know, the Bellman, then there's a Bellman surcharge, which is separate from that. Um, and I, I'm not sure exactly how that that varies a little bit, but uh, it's in a nutshell, it's operating the, the state warehouse. But what's interesting is it, can't, it went, you know from a dollar 50 in the case of the bailment charge the 275 which is quite an increase
0: right so there's bailment and then there's a bailment surcharge and they get so they it, it sounds i mean they have the same name <laughs> and so i mean they're, it sounds to me like they're very similar so it also sounds like it's a way to get another tax on the booze without having to raise one tax to a crazy number. It's like, "Oh, see this is, you know, 275 uh, and then this other one over here is a buck 15. But yeah, if you add it together, you're you're approaching $5 now." So, I think if you were to say, "Oh, I'm going to put $5 tax on a bottle of liquor," people would be like, "That seems kind of high for a bottle of liquor." So, I mean, f- far be it for me to suggest That taxation is manipulated like this in order to hide it from people.
1: (laughs) Well, if you look at the markup, and there's a link in my story to it, um, you know, there's excise, state excise tax, it's taxing it. There's the bailment charges. There's a bottle charge. Um, The bailment surcharge goes into the state commission budget as as opposed to the, the warehouse budget. Um, and much of it goes to the general fund, and as uh, much of that is distributed to the local municipalities with ABC boards. Um, some goes to alcohol education and, and those type of programs. Um, yeah, so, th- yeah, it, there's there's several. If you look at the markups, it's it's kind of calculus and a little confusing, and uh, it's, that's how – that's how they work. Right. I mean, if you really want like I say there's there's a link in the story if you really want to get into no I what you're not. paying for a bottle of liquor. <laughs> and and further, like for example, there's a mis- mixed beverage tax for restaurants and bars. They pay 375 extra on a bottle of liquor as to what you or I would pay. What? yes
0: and don't yes. they now i've heard i did not know this until i think we spoke uh back when the auditor released this audit now it's what almost three years ago i guess it's
1: three years ago yeah.
0: yeah and um and so we're going to circle back to that not to sound like jen pisaki but we're, we'll circle back to that but the the uh, <laughs> i was not aware that restaurants had to go to the liquor store to get their booze like yeah you have to order insane. From your,
1: yeah you have to order from your individual abc board
0: so let's let's talk first and you mentioned this this structure of how North Carolina sells alcohol is uh, specifically spirits not the the beer and stuff. Uh this is just for the liquor component, right? This is the ABC uh, uh operation. So go over for folks who may not be aware of how North Carolina is similar and different in how it works than other states.
1: Well, we're one of 17 control states, which means the state controls all operations of liquor. Um we're different, I mean, okay, they the warehousing of it, the the retail of it, um, and the you know the uh, pricing of it, all of that, all of that's controlled by North Carolina. There's 17 other other states to do it. Um, Virginia is one, uh, but Virginia does it centrally. What makes North Carolina unique is there are 171 separate boards in what you were referring to, in localities, right? So, like Brunswick County, for example, because it's profitable because of beach traffic, has nine boards. <laughs> right, Holden <laughs> beach has a board. Salute has a board. Uh, you know, Calabash has a board. Um, yeah, Wake County has one board. Mecklenburg has one board. Um, but which is, there's a hundred counties, hundred seventy-one boards. So you do the math, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and they they they've capped it. They, there was a bill last year and the year before that, that capped this system. But yeah, you know, like I said, we're one of 17 states, and we control. I mean, other than the production of it, uh, all the other regulatory activities having to do with liquor is controlled by the state. And, and you know, at ABC stores, you can buy liquor and nothing
0: else. Mm-hmm. Although, although they are nice. I will say that they. A lot of them some, are very some nice. Of, yeah. so,
1: some of them are. And and I and I'll be honest with you, and I, I'm going to call them out because i live in Cary, and there's a brand new store about a mile from my house and uh the the selection is stayed to say you know at, yeah. at the big the most you know
0: well if charitable I, and i think i remember that like the way that the the liquor gets picked for for the sale on the shelves is it's is it, it, isn't it up to all of those local boards? And so you can have a local distiller that can't get on the shelves because some guy who's in charge at that commission board, they don't like that particular brand or they prefer oh, this other yes. brand, right? That yes. stuff happens.
1: That happens. A grievances go far back, which is why a lot of the stores don't like the board. Now what happens is the ABC board in Raleigh, the commission will meet and I've heard these meetings, you know, when it gets toward the end, they're like, yeah, put that on. Don't put that on. We want to go home. I've, I've heard that. <laughs> here's hearsay. you know, anyway, and they, they set a price list, right? And you can go on the ABC site and look at all the stuff that you can buy from State ABC. Now, the board chooses from that, right? So it depends on how good I know of some wonderful managers at State ABC stores, and I know some stores that are, aren't so good. So it's up to them to decide and write if they want the local stuff, which typically they they do. If they, they have a story close by, they'll try to promote their stuff. But like I said, these grudges and grievances go back many years, and they're state appointed positions for the local boards. Mm-hmm. Um, many times, like I said, when I, when I when I wrote the book. Um, in one store that i asked the the manager she's like well i don't drink so i don't know i was like well, you're part of the board <laughs> buying this stuff well, heaven well, help us all <laughs>
0: if you're going to mention the book you should tell people the title of the book so they can pick it up it's still in barrel right
1: right yeah craft spirits in the old north state um it's you know been out a few years now but uh you know and things have changed we've got a little more progressive with legislation yeah um you know having bars at at, at you know distilleries and things like that but yeah, uh, you're it allowed to take, still holds true
0: yeah like what you're allowed to take like a sip of a shot and uh and then like what spit it yeah. out rinse your yeah. mouth out
1: <laughs> i think i think it's still an ounce and a half and 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 there are bars though that are regulated like bars distilleries who choose to choose to operate those
0: all right, more with John in a minute. First, spring is here and that means you uh, you need to replace some of your equipment, your power tools, you have to replace this. I mean, come on. Some of that stuff is being held together with duct tape, you know, and a prayer. Like you can you can do better. I have confidence in you. I know you can do better at General Equipment Rental. I do know this. General Equipment Rental, their website generalrents.com, they have all sorts of equipment because they are your official licensed Honda and Husqvarna outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. Okay. Which means they know everything about these products. They know everything about the tools, the equipment, and uh, they can guide you towards the, you know, the right uh, tool for your job, for your yard. They're not going to give you too much mower. They're not going to upsell you on a mower if you don't need it. I remember seeing somebody uh, years ago riding a mower and he must've had maybe a fifth of an acre, like, really come on man now a fifth of an acre you get the Roomba not the Roomba it's the auto mower the Husqvarna auto mower it's a Roomba for your yard I guess it would be the Yardba and like for a yard that size it would cut the grass and just keeps cutting the grass all the time it keeps your grass completely cut you never have to mow it again that's what you need to get okay or okay maybe not tillers maybe maybe a pressure washer chainsaw trimmer hedge clippers They've got it all. Go to General Equipment Rental. And if you don't want to buy, you just need to rent. That's where you go to for all sizes of equipment, from earth movers all the way down to, you know, saws. They've got it all. General Equipment Rental, family owned and operated for three generations. They're in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Uh, Tell them I sent you General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. So the you know. uh, so why I wanted to talk with you is about this latest uh, chapter here. North Carolina ABC renews a contract uh, with LB&B Associates, um, and they were the ones that were the focus of this audit that was done by the state auditor, Beth Wood, back in 2018. Um, and this contract is pretty lucrative, several, like, like millions of dollars. Uh, and so to fund the new contract... They're raising, as we mentioned earlier, the, the bailments, the, right?
1: Right, the bailment charge to, uh, like, from what one fifty so dollar and a quarter, which is which is pretty high. And what that means is now Airbnb, the uh, the the you know the warehouse contractor, um, the the audit was mostly because the ABC, according to Beth Wood, didn't pay attention to the where to what they were doing so much
0: um <laughs> right warehouse and, you know, operation yeah
1: right and they, they built a second warehouse um that was mostly empty and uh, i've heard anecdotally that it's mostly used for the holiday because you know we get those holiday packages with the glasses and you know the free socks and stuff and liquor um mm-hmm. that's what they used it for primarily so um i mean they they're still building stores and stuff, but it was it was contract administration primarily. So the surcharge and it's going to amount on a case of liquor for like a 12 bottle case uh, 20 cents per bottle which somebody's gonna to have to pay for.
0: I'm gonna take a guess who that somebody is.
1: yeah, the consumer um, <laughs> the consumer. And it's interesting because I, I was talking to the distiller the other day, and he said that uh, you know he had just raised the price, right, <clears throat> to to a, a normal amount, and it's going to look like he's raising it again. It's like, dude, what do you why you keep raising the price? But he's not. The right. state is. Um, so yeah, um, the, the, the the distillers could raise prices or not. It's just it's going to go up regardless. Right. Um, well, the, the, somebody's going to get paid one way or another
0: for this. So uh, one of the things I had heard during the pandemic is that uh, people were drinking a lot more. And so right. is that um, will that help sort of offset this increase? Maybe distillers, you know, they they absorb this cost spike.
1: Uh, they're buying more from ABC stores, yes, because of because of the pan, pandemic, um, those distillers. So, I mean, North Carolina distilleries, it's, it's still uh, many times a mom and pop you know, mm-hmm. enterprise. Um, and, you know, when people are, are buying habits, you know, they're going to buy your cheap bottle of Smirnoff or that bottle of bean or, you know, because, you know, like I say, they're, they're handcrafted spirits and they're not exactly cheap. right? You know, there's there's not that bargain vodka that you can buy. Um, and, and bars being closed, yes, it gave everybody a boost, but, you know, you take the good with the bad here because bars were closed and then these people are making money and then bars went out of business and bars are struggling and um they're still really not open you know they're open at about 30 percent yeah or something like that so yeah. um and thankfully you know cooper had raised the you know curfew to 11 which at you know nine o'clock is ridiculous so, yeah, but, but for the smaller distillers, they're doing everything they can just to uh, get by. And I think many have done that. I mean, some have, uh, you know, opened bars up and, and pretty lucrative like that. But uh, I, a lot of them are just, you know, day to day. And and to be honest with you, I mean, I haven't gone back and done an audit lately and see who's there and who's not. Right.
0: You You write in your piece uh, about this LBNB, the warehouse uh, services contractor that just got renewed, I guess, right? Because they were operating it and now they're getting the contract again. Right. Um, uh, You write, lack of accountability. This is from the audit of 2018. Lack of accountability for contractors is highly concerning, Beth Wood told y'all at that time. LBNB was given pay increases upon demand without documentation or proof. And in some cases, LBNB misled the state. About fuel cost increases, asking the ABC (laughs) for money that they didn't even really need. Quote, whatever they asked for, they got without any question, without any verification, without any consultation or proof or justification. So the natural question here is why on earth did they get the contract again when they had these kinds of problems cited in the audit? Uh, uh, Did they fix all of this stuff? Or um, is there nobody else bidding?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think you're, the second thing you just said about nobody else bidding, ah. I've heard from sources that there were very few bidders and maybe just one. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's part of it. They say, you know, that they're going to clean up all the computing. It's, it's going to be a, you know, higher tech um, system of tracking things. And I, I think a lot of it falls on the ABC, too, not really paying attention to what they were doing. And, and, and according to, you know, what LBNB says that, yes, they've upgraded their computer systems and there's uh, better accountability and more transparency, so on and so forth. And interestingly, this, the last audit, there, there were a couple people from the ABC commission had resigned shortly after. Um, and Xander guy who's in charge now said that, uh, you know, he wasn't there for when all this happened because it was over a period of years where like what, 13 and 0.5 million was, you know, yeah. Overcharged or whatever. i account for however you want to term that. So um, I don't know if lb and I mean, you know, is so culpable here is the ABC of not paying attention. And hopefully um, there's 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 good leadership within the ABC right now. Um, but we'll see. Right.
0: Um, well, it's it's a, wonder- it's
1: a system that's born for corruption.
0: You say it's now under good management, and it's with leadership now at ABC. This is, as I recall, one of the few operations in the state with appointees who are paid, right? and right. it's always been seen as sort of a place where uh, political allies get appointed um, for you know among state and local political leaders. Is, is that still the case? Is that a fair assessment?
1: Right. And, you know, it's, you know, according to the governor and and his policies. um, Yeah, I I think what you then that's going to be in any government entity. Um, What what you have to be careful here. And I think this is the crux of it. And I I don't think this is what most people probably don't understand is it's going to be a state run system. So there's that it's these local boards where you just they they're appointed and they may not know much about liquor and it's, it's almost like a treasure hunt. It's almost like if you want a good bottle of bourbon, right. You've got to hunt for it. Like the old Soviet system. I know a guy, I know a guy. It's almost like (laughs) getting a a COVID vaccine. Um, you know, I, and there's, there's a great, there's a, a couple great stores. And like where I live in Cary, which is, you know, relatively affluent, um, it's the, this, the, the store is, is not great because mm-hmm. there's, I know what's on the shelf and I want to be surprised. And I think that's like, you know, anyone going shopping for liquor or whatever is like, Oh, i want to see what I could find. Um, but you know, here they send you on a hunt throughout the state and you'll never see a bottle Bland's For instance, we get Buffalo trace like twice a year. And, um, but you know, the system is what it is. Right. And well, on a relative scale with the, with the people who are there, um, I, 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 think they have, they're working to make the system work mm-hmm. right on, on the state level. Um, I know Agnes Stevens, is, who's the administrator is a really, really doing a fine job, but you get it. The problem with these, these local boards, these local boards were instituted back in the thirties, you know, to appease the local communities. So, could, you know, it's up, I've said this a thousand times, it's about control. It's about local control. Mm-hmm. So that gave them the local control. So you have local control wherever you are to sell liquor.
0: Um, so this and, was after Prohibition had ended, right? And and people were like, well, we still want to be a dry county. We still got dry counties in North Carolina, right?
1: There are a couple of dry counties, yes. And municipalities have passed, uh, you know, liquor by the drink. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, there's one up uh, in the northwest. Uh, yeah. I can't quite think of it, but yeah, Matt, yeah. not Madison, but it's anyway. Yeah, there, there are a couple. And I think down in Southwest may maybe one or two too.
0: So, I remember a couple of years ago when this uh when this all happened just by coincidence had as it would happen, my wife was in uh just across the border in South Carolina. I was in Charlotte, and miscommunication occurred. We both bought the exact <laughs> same bottle of liquor because we were going out that uh evening to a friend's house. We bought the same bottle to bring, and when we brought it back, we compared the receipts and huh the difference was obvious i mean it was i mean i want to say it was almost 10 dollars it was like a 50 dollar bottle of liquor and the taxes were i want to say it was like 7 to 10 dollars different it was cheaper in south carolina and like that right there is a huge obvious problem i think if you want uh alcohol liquor spirits that uh are you know Price competitive. Now, I also say this, right. recognizing that North Carolina was like at the forefront of the prohibition movement, and I think was the last to repeal <laughs> prohibition. So, <laughs> like we do yeah, have the I history.
1: <laughs> well, right, it's it's the free market thing, and and, and the mid level stuff are going to be be cheaper. Now, here's the rub here, and you may you may pay less for a bottle of Beam in South Carolina than you than you would here, but if you get a bottle of Blanton, say, which is a unicorn in the bourbon world. You're going to pay in, in South Carolina or, or another one of these states, another free state, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You may pay 200 bucks for that bottle if you can buy it. Here, you have to pay, you know, whatever the markup is on a suggested retail price from Buffalo Trace. So you're going to pay, like bottle, you're going to pay whatever the retail price is, there's not going to be any markup. It takes the free market out of the situation. Like if you haven't bought a Pappy Van Winkle in Virginia or North Carolina, it, for, for example, you, you'll pay $150, which is what, but, you know, you, you go online try to buy that on the, uh, you know, on a secondhand market, you're going to pay a grand, hmm. right? So it's controlled. It's all, you know, it's part of the name, alcohol beverage control. So they control the pricing on that. So the mid-level stuff, yeah, you're going to the smaller stuff, you may say, but the higher end stuff, which it's hard to get in North Carolina in the first place, but the, if, you, if you can get it, you're going to pay what the suggested retail price is. That's... There are arguments for this.
0: Yeah. Uh, John Trump is the managing editor of the Carolina Journal. The article you can read uh, is that Carolina Journal. It's called North Carolina ABC Renews Contract with the subject of the 2018 audit, and it increases warehousing fees. Is there anything else you want to add, John, that you think is important or interesting to note here that we haven't already covered?
1: No, I, but I do think, you know, the ABC, the legislature, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement anymore, lately, more on uh, Dave Chuck McGrady um, from Henderson, yeah. who has left the General Assembly since resigned, but uh, he did so much um, for alcohol in, in North Carolina local distilleries. Um, we made good progress. Um, local distillers could sell, you know, more now they could m- serve mixed drinks. So um, there is progress, um, but we're going to have to live with that progress for a while, I think.
0: John, thanks for your time. I certainly appreciate it. All right, Pete, take it easy. All right. And speaking of taking it easy, that's what you should do when you sell your house. That's probably some weird advice you're thinking to yourself. Pete, what are you talking about? Take it easy while I'm selling my house. That's crazy talk. It's not actually. If you use Rowena Patton to sell your house, she will take care of it. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they outsell 99% of the real estate agents in the entire state. Okay. So put the team to work for you and you'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. This is what they do. Now, if you're looking to buy a house, you're in luck also. You can take this easy because she has homes on all price points. Give her a call, 828-333-4483. That's 333-4483. Her website is mountainhomehunt.com. And then uh, once you contact her, start packing because it's going to move very quickly. And let her know that you heard it here on the show. Uh, all right. So yesterday, a bill got filed in the North Carolina General Assembly that I'm not saying that this is a response to the the podcast that uh, I did yesterday. I'm not saying that. I just want to be very clear. I'm not saying that the bill was filed because of my show. I'm I'm just saying that I did my show yesterday where we were talking about all of the money that Mark Zuckerberg funneled through his nonprofit and used it to fund these different boards of elections all around the state last year. And then all of a sudden, a bill got filed that seeks to prohibit that very activity. I'm sure it was a coincidence. (laughs) <laughs> like seriously I know it's a coincidence I had nothing to do with this although maybe you know what maybe somebody heard it and they were like hey let's uh, let's do Pete a solid he is trying to save all of the world's problems it's Senate Bill 326 it is uh, filed by Senators Daniel Newton and Heise. Uh so that would be uh, Paul Newton and uh, Warren Daniel and Ralph Heise and it's called the Election Integrity Act and uh, the long title is called a bill to be entitled an act to prohibit. And the reason I'm reading this, by the way, is because it tells you what it's going to do. OK, the act to prohibit the state board of elections and county boards of elections from accepting private monetary donations for certain purposes to amend the date by which a voter must request an absentee ballot and date by which a mail-in absentee ballot must be received and to appropriate funds to establish a program to identify and assist voters needing photo ID. So there are three components of this bill. Okay. Number one is addressing the private money that came from the Zuckerberg uh, folks, the Facebook folks, that went into state boards of election. If you want information on that whole deal, Go pull yesterday's podcast from the Pete show.com. and you can listen. I talked to Hayden Ludwig from the Capital Research Center, and he he did a deep dive, you know, tracing all of this money. It's like North Carolina got more than four million dollars, and the money went to boards of election in these Democrat counties, predominantly like heavy Democrat counties. Now, if you were not trying to target Democrat counties in order to drive up turnout. I'm not sure how you would have behaved any differently than (laughs) what the Zuckerbergs did. So there's that component. Okay, so I'm not going to spend more time. If you want more details, go listen to yesterday's show. So this bill would prohibit that. If this becomes uh, becomes law, you're not allowed to do that anymore. The second component is about absentee ballots. So uh, the absentee ballots here, this is from the News and Observer. This is what Danielle Battaglia focused on. Uh, She thought this was the big story. It was about the absentee ballot deadline. The bill would prevent the collection of any absentee ballots after 5 p.m. on Election Day. So you're not allowed... Wait. So I can't vote after the election. Wait a minute. This isn't fair. Suppression. This is suppression. I think. Um, also, this would occur. This would uh, apply to the primary days as well. The primary election days as well. So the, Yeah. Okay. So the North Carolina Board of Elections collected last year. She says fourteen thousand five hundred mail-in ballots after election day, under North Carolina's current law. Absentee ballots can be collected three days after the election if they're postmarked by Election Day. But you'll recall last year, things got a little interesting because Democratic groups hired the Democrat super lawyer Mark Elias. And I've got an update on uh, his story, but um, uh, they hired Mark Elias to sue a whole bunch of states that just coincidentally uh, all were swing states. I know, it's really weird how that happened. So he sues all these swing states in order to loosen up the uh, the the controls on election integrity to make it easier to vote. And as I went over yesterday, by making things easier, you make them less secure. By definition, it becomes less secure, right? So they, uh, they sue the state, and then the State Board of Elections and the State Attorney General who are, you know, Board of Elections controlled by Democrats, Attorney General's office, he's a Democrat, they all enter into a settlement agreement. Now, the legislature was also a party to that lawsuit, but they were not included in the discussion of the settlement. They were not happy to find out that the other two defendants in the case, all Democrats, settled with the plaintiffs in the case, also all Democrats. And it just so happened that the settlement agreement uh, benefited the Democrat groups that wanted to, you know, make it easier to vote. And how, how, how could you oppose this? Do you not want people to vote? It's our democracy. Okay, so the U.S. Supreme Court was asked to intervene in this, and they said, no, we're not going to intervene in this. And uh, some of the, so some of these changes stayed in effect. Now, what the Board of Elections did in, uh, in doing this settlement was an end run around the legislature. And this occurred in state after state after state where where Mark Elias sued and Democrats settled. Okay? They did this all over the place. Where um you had Republican body Republican legislative bodies that had set law and then Democrats Enter into settlement agreements with Democrat executive agencies, and they do an end run around the legislative body in order to get, you know, way more ease of access. This is how you end up with the ballot drop boxes and everything else. Brent Woodcox, who's an attorney for Senate leader Phil Berger, and I think I quoted him yesterday, actually. So this is two tweets I've quoted back to back days. Um he he said, look, you got to cast your ballot on or before Election Day. This is a common sense idea, and it's a really good way. It's a common sense way to restore faith and trust in election integrity. And he's exactly right. He is exactly right. It is common sense. If it's Election Day, it's Election Day. You got to have your ballot cast by Election Day. OK, them's the rule. So that's the, that, that's one of the other parts of it. The second part of this bill, the third part of the bill is to appropriate funds to establish a program to identify and assist voters needing photo ID. So this is, let me see here, skip ahead, Section 7, $5 million in non-recurring funds for this year, for the 2021-2022 fiscal year, to establish a program to identify individuals in the state that need a photo ID to vote in person. And so then you'll they'll they'll send some, you know, mobile unit out to you to get you your voter ID. What a great idea. Not sure why they haven't done it earlier, but better late than never. Well, we actually don't have voter ID yet <laughs> because Democrats keep suing over the voter ID. <laughs> they don't want us to have voter ID because suppression. So now this takes care of that argument. Oh, I know Democrats are going to be very, very angry. <laughs> very angry at that. Because this was how they were able to argue that it's suppression. Well, not everybody can get an ID. Well, now everybody can. They will literally come to your house and give you an ID. Um, Which really, like, honestly, it shows you how far behind GovCo gets on the technological curve with some of this stuff. Like, how hard would it have been, like... To have a machine, you take a picture like with a smartphone, you put it into the the machine and it creates the ID or or transfers the information and then they mail you your ID, something like that, whatever. So that's the bill. It's being run now through the General Assembly. Uh, There was a a post up at uh, the North State Journal by the State Republican Party chairman Michael Watley, who says that the state board of elections is engaged in yet another attempt to threaten the transparency of the state elections. He says the board's also trying to subvert the decisions of our elected officials. I'll give you more details on that in a second. First details, old grouches, military Surplus on Main Street, downtown Clyde, and the website is oldgrouch.com. Those are the most important details you need, okay? If you're looking for real U.S. military surplus, then you go to Old Grouch's military surplus. For more than uh, three decades, Old Grouch and then Old Grouch's son, Tim, uh, he now runs the store, uh, they have been providing you with high-quality, real U.S. military surplus, and uh, they can help you build out first-aid kits, Uh uh, emergency preparedness kits. If you're trying to build your bunker, uh, they can help you <laughs> supply it. Uh, if you just need a go bag, or maybe you just need a bag that you know you're going to go hiking or camping, and you want some. Uh, supplies in there in case you know of an emergency. They can help you with all of that as well. Gun accessories, ammo cans, tons of really cool stuff, and he's always in the market, by the way. Tim is always in the market uh, for new stuff. So if you've got some stuff that you're looking to sell, or you're just kind of curious about what the price you could fetch for it, head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus downtown Clyde, uh, across the street from the Anti-Aircraft Gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and 24-7 at oldgrouch.com so michael Watley says in this piece at north state journal that under north carolina state law as written and passed by the legislature uh both republicans and democrats can send two election observers to every poll location on election day okay so each party gets to send two observers to each polling place each precinct basically um Given that the polls are open for 13 hours on Election Day, the law allows uh, the parties to swap out those observers every four hours. So you're not working a 13-hour shift, right? That would be ridiculous. Um, So it's a total of eight poll watchers from each party at a given location. Make sense? Uh, You're following the math, or is it just me that needs that assurance that I'm doing it correctly? Okay. This is, (laughs) it's a simple, common-sense, bipartisan election safeguard that benefits Republicans and Democrats alike, because you can send observers into every polling precinct and monitor to make sure stuff is going okay. And still, the Board of Elections has now proposed changes to this policy cutting the regulation to allow only two poll watchers over the course of an entire election day like so what now you you got to work a 13-hour shift have you seen some of the volunteers at the polls like come on board of elections what are you doing here (laughs) so the question you got to ask yourself is why what prompted this change it's He says it's not as if the law gives either party some sort of an advantage, right? But just think this through. Your board of elections is actively working to make elections less transparent, making it harder for bipartisan volunteers to monitor the integrity of the ballots. And that benefits nobody. So why would you do this? Who was clamoring for this? He says it's part of a broader pattern of behavior. Remember, just a few weeks before November's presidential election, the Board of Elections colluded with statewide Democratic Governor Roy Cooper and uh, Democratic Governor or Attorney General, rather, Josh Stein, to make the backroom deal aimed at weakening election safeguards. Uh, They got rid of the absentee ballot witness signature requirement while early voting was already underway. That deal also provided for unmonitored ballot drop boxes. Um, and now they're trying to get rid of monitors for in-person voting, too. Like, there comes a point where you have to ask yourself, do you not want any rules on this? Right. Do you not want any safeguards? Because that's what it kind of seems like. And remember uh, what last week we talked with David Hersani about uh, the H.R. 1 bill being run up in Congress. And uh, he said, you know, for people who talk a lot about the sanctity of the vote, they sure do try their best to cheapen the vote right because everybody that is able to vote fraudulently dilutes your vote the non-fraudulent votes and so if you want there to just be no rules whatsoever on voting to just let everybody in the door right then i guess so be it it looks like they're gonna make a run for this um and who is it we talked to, Hayden Ludwig, who said, you know, Democrats usually are way ahead of Republicans on this stuff, right? They're able to figure out how to use the election law and how to do it on the front end, how to how to build a a, a regime of rules that they can then take advantage of, and then once they do and they blow out Republicans, then Republicans are like, oh, that's how they did it. All right, so let's do that, and then they perfect it. <laughs> this is not this is not the way it's supposed to run. If you just make the, if you just make the elections secure and then we help everybody get you know voter ID like the bill says and we help people get to the polls and you do that sort of stuff then I think people have more faith in the elections and honestly the key to driving up turnout is to you know reinforce with people that their votes matter and you do that by having a secure election. Um, now, here's uh, something that you want to secure is the um, the promo code PETE for GrowersHemp.com, and that will help you secure a uh, supply of CBD, Growers Hemp Full Spectrum Hemp Extract, for 20% off, okay? Promo code PETE, GrowersHemp.com, I Take CBD Oil, Uh, For when I go to bed, I take a couple drops and I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. And people take it for all sorts of reasons, you know, lower tension, better quality of life, balanced state of mind, positive mental outlook. So find your reason. Go to growershemp.com promo code PETE, get 20% off. These are North Carolina farmers, by the way, family farmers, they control the whole process from seed to shelf. And as with all CBD products, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. And these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product growershemp.com from North Carolina farmers to your home growers hemp is about the hemp and not the hype so I promised that I would tell you about the update from uh, on uh, Mark Elias right he is the Democratic super lawyer one of the Democrat Party's top election lawyers got hit with sanctions by a federal court for violating ethics rules in a lawsuit against Texas over straight-ticket voting. You hate to hear about it, don't you? It was a rare rebuke for a seasoned attorney following months of tumultuous litigation over the November election. Mark Elias and other lawyers with Perkins Coie LLP were ordered by the U.S. Court of Appeals in New Orleans to pay legal fees and double costs to Texas. The order was issued in a lawsuit that Elias filed in August on behalf of the Democrats Senate and Congressional Campaign Committees. In February, he filed what's called a motion to supplement the record in a case accusing Texas of trying to illegally scrap straight ticket voting during the pandemic. <laughs> Even though <laughs> so, Texas <laughs> Texas apparently tried to scrap. Straight ticket voting. North Carolina used to have this. They got rid of it. Gosh, I don't know, almost 20 years ago. Um, But he files this motion in February, but he an identical motion had already been denied earlier in the case. And so this is from Bloomberg.com. They call it a technical violation, but that it dragged out the litigation by creating more work for the court. This inexplicable failure to disclose the earlier denial of their motion violated their duty of candor to the court. If appellees had any confusion about the application of the order, they could have and should have disclosed the previously denied motion in their new motion. Okay, so you follow what happened here? He... He filed a motion, and he lost, and then a couple of months go by, and he files it again, and he never tells the court that it had already rejected this motion. And so he does it again, and then the court apparently went through the The process, and they finally, they were like, wait a minute, (laughs) you already filed this, we already said no, and then they got kind of mad. Elias and his firm had been notified of the violation in advance. I do have here, it is Perkins Coie stood by their attorneys in the face of the sanctions, saying, quote, We do not normally respond to requests for comment on pending litigation, but... The firm and the attorneys involved in this matter strongly disagree with the appellate court's ruling and its order of sanctions in the case. Uh, The firm fully and completely supports our attorneys in this case. Elias uh, and the law firm Perkins Coie drew notoriety for their involvement with the DNC and Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign for their role in hiring the research firm. Fusion GPS, who in turn hired former British spy Christopher Steele to conduct opposition research that produced the now infamous dossier on the Trump campaign ties to Russia, which people in the Democratic Party and the media, but I repeat myself, uh, still believe is true. This is why they're labeled as Blue Anon, (laughs) because, you know, the QAnon conspiracy theorists on the right... The blue and on folks are the conspiracy theorists on the left, and they always pretend on the left that we don't have any kind of conspiracy theorists on this side of the aisle. That's just what you right wingers do. A Justice Department inspector general's investigation found that the Steele dossier was instrumental in the FBI's application for a warrant to conduct surveillance on Carter Page, who is a Trump advisor. The FBI uh, never did verify the contents of that dossier, and they failed to to tell the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that Steele's subsource said that the information was actually not reliable. Mark Elias is currently assisting the effort to overturn the result of a congressional race in Iowa, where Republican Representative Marionette, that's her name, Marionette, Miller Meeks, or triple M, um, or M to the third power, narrowly defeated Democrat Rita Hart by just six votes. Six votes. The Republican beat the Democrat in Iowa. And the Democrats are now challenging the certification of the Iowa results. They're literally trying to destroy the democracy. They're literally trying to. We have to save the democracy. This is exactly what the Republicans did with the certification of the results in the last election. And what the Democrats did in the election prior to that one, Nancy Pelosi has even where is it? Nancy Pelosi has even held out the prospect that she could and uh, have the House overturn the results of this election. Like this is are you kidding me? Where are all of the people that were screaming from the rooftops about how, uh, you know, Trump and the Republicans were trying to destroy the entire American Democratic uh, uh, experiment? Where are they now? Gone. Because it wasn't really a principled stand. Mark Elias also features prominently in a blog post last month by Jonathan Turley, who is a constitutional law professor out of Georgetown University, I believe. Georgetown or George Mason? Georgetown, I think. Anyway, um, the Perkins Coe lawyer, Mark Elias, was the focus of stories related to the Steele dossier and the long denial of the Clinton campaign that it actually funded the investigation. See, people forget that, too, that Clinton and Elias, they they allowed this lie to persist and flat out told the lie that they did not fund it. Despite such false statements by the campaign before the election, the money was found to have been paid out as a legal expense through Elias as counsel for the campaign. Elias also reportedly was present When this funding was denied to the media and to the Congress, while legal blogs have called for disbarments of Trump lawyers for making false statements, there is no call to determine if Elias should face similar scrutiny and whether, as alleged, he lied about the funding of the dossier or assisted others in making such false and misleading statements. There's an uh, there was another case in upstate New York, Anthony Brindisi, Brindisi. Um, He's a Democrat candidate. And um, his, he was challenging Republican Representative Claudia Tenney. Tenney eventually won, um, but uh, they were challenging that election result based on what? The Dominion voting machines changing votes. <laughs> this guy, like, can you imagine if we had an honest media that covered both sides fairly? Could you imagine Tenny has been certified as the winner. She has been sworn in. But these are the Dominion machines, and this is Oswego County Board of Elections. They say that the claims that Elias was making are all meritless. So he's making the very arguments now on behalf of Democrats that Democrats were screaming, were undermining American democracy. Elias's attack says Turley on the legitimacy of the vote counts, and the Dominion system is not being treated as an attack on democracy. He says, "'Look, I'm less surprised by Elias's challenge to the Dominion voting systems as I am that he remains one of the leading lawyers enlisted by Joe Biden, in the Democratic Party after the Steele dossier scandal now here's the kicker on this is that Elias apparently uh, went after Jonathan Turley about this post not for anything that's in the post he said <laughs> he went after Turley because of the headline that he, he labeled it quote the return of Mark Elias the return of Mark Elias and that he's back in the news and Elias was mad that he said I'm back in the news he's like I'm not back in the news I'm high, I'm high profile and I'm very much in the news all the time <laughs> This is, what he, this is what he got mad about. It's just unbelievable. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to the podcast. Go to thepeetcalendershow.com. And if you can't leave a positive review, I do appreciate that. Remember, you can also become a patron of the program. You get access to exclusive content. It's all at thepeetcalendershow.com. Thanks for listening and for the support. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.